Hey everyone, if you're a fan of the show, please head over to MikeyOp.com and click the subscribe button. It's the best way to support us, and it's free. That's M-I-K-E-Y-O-P-P.com. Thanks! Hi, this is Mike Oppenheim, and you are listening to Coffin Talk, Interviews with the Living, a weekly podcast that explores how our views on death affect the way we live our life. This week we have Heather Payer, and she's on a mission to become a better version of herself every day, and does not mind falling on her face publicly to do it. She used to be angry at the world for constantly letting her down, and then realized her superpower is figuring out, mostly the hard way. Anyway, I love people who figure anything out, and I love people who swear in their bios, so I'm excited to talk to Heather today. Heather, how are you doing? I'm good. I guess I don't remember swearing in my bio, so I, I'm glad that you appreciate it. Oh yeah, definitely. No, we're um, an all walks of life podcast. We love everyone. We want all types on this podcast. The only real goal of this is just to unite people by listening to how differently everyone views the afterlife and how to live in here. So uh, let's get started with a couple normal questions we ask all our guests, which would be, um, how old are you? Where did you grow up? And what generation, if any, do you think you belong to? Okay. How old am I? Old Just kidding. Um, I'm 39. This is, like, I'm actually really just kidding. I don't act that old, but I'm like closing in on 40. So I'm 39. Um, I grew up in New Hampshire, tiny little town in the Northeast. Uh, and my generation, I'm going to go with Zennial because I'm like an old millennial, but I don't really feel like I fit. So Zennial is kind of right in the middle. Awesome. I love all three of those answers. And just to make you feel more comfortable, I turned 40 last June. So I know what it's like on the other side of this fake divide. And it's just the same. <laughs> it's not any different. I love New Hampshire. I really am only familiar with Portsmouth, but I almost moved there three times in my life. So oh, nice. I'm sure you're much further north. Great state. What's their license plate? Live free or die? Is that the motto is live free or die. Yes, it's hardcore. <laughs> that caught my attention as a 20-something. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's awesome to have you on the podcast. Like, I, I only read part of your bio out loud, and we include it in the notes. But um, why don't you kind of walk us through the early parts of your life that led to you being angry at the world? And then we'll go from there. Oh, boy. Okay. Let me think of how to start. Well, let's just acknowledge that I'm not going to have all the bits and pieces. As far as what led me to be angry, I think... I always felt like I was let down. Um, in my bio, the, one of the parts that you shared is that I often learn my lessons the hard way. I'm adventurous, independent, and stubborn. So all of those lead to, sure, let's try it, which obviously does not always work out very well. Um, including all of that, I am a middle child from a family that went through a messy divorce young. And um, so there's a lot of missing pieces there parentally. Um, and then, you know, I think that just continued. I had a family member um, that molested me when I was young, and that was never kind of a resolved piece of the pie, and then jumped right into several abusive relationships. So, yeah, I was kind of mad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that would make most people angry, I think. And, um, Without getting too personal, have you resolved that situation uh, for yourself? Like, are, are you internally okay with what happened when you were young? Oh, that's an interesting um, way to put it. I am good. Like, I like myself. The person's dead. Um, so that's that's done and over. I did not kill them, FYI. <laughs> but just, <laughs> they're no longer with us. So obviously, um, anyone who's experienced anything like that, uh, 
that's almost like the only resolution you're ever going to get. Because most of the time, you're not going to get an apology. And even if you get an apology, it doesn't reverse anything that happened. So um, I think there's always going to be parts and pieces that you can still recognize in yourself that might be triggers. But overall, yes, I'm good. And I just started actually openly sharing that over the last couple of years. So I think that has been helpful too. Very cool. And honestly, thank you so much for sharing. Um, my wife, who you spoke to before the interview, and I have a 10-month-old daughter, and this is something I just try to like not think about, but also try to be mindful of, which is how do I prepare her and warn her and you know try to like stop it. So I'm just curious, do you have any advice to a parent for how to talk to their children as uh, someone who's survived this? I would say just be open to allowing them to advocate and, and almost push that in them to advocate for themselves. I, I was recently talking to someone and it came up that um, a lot of, and it's unfortunately falls along socioeconomical lines, but people that are in a higher socioeconomical bracket essentially oftentimes have children that will advocate for themselves more. So if you have, if they feel like they can kind of challenge you, even though you don't want them to be disrespectful, that is empowering. And the more that someone can feel empowered, the more likely they are to stand up for themselves in a situation like that. Very cool. That's excellent advice. Thank you. Um, that really helps me um, because it's just such a, it's such a scary topic and it's like, you don't want to introduce it because then you're going to make a child like afraid of family members and everyone else, which is like crazy to me. And then the phrase stranger danger, well, these people aren't strangers. So what is it like familiar danger? <laughs> um, but yeah, I think, um, I just think it's such a hard issue and it's something that's like plaguing so many people internally. And, uh, you know, I've had like several friends who didn't even know it happened to them until, they were in like some sort of regression therapy and then it came up. Um, so I think, you know, for our listeners, that's why I'm spending so much time on this is I think it's something that everyone should really address and consider whether they have children, whether they're children themselves and all that. So thank you. And thank you for using the word advocacy. I love that word. And it's something I want to remember more as a parent. Um, so in your bio, you said you're also a podcast creator. I'm curious, uh, what sort of podcasts have you been, been doing? So my podcast is called Diversity on Fire. I would put it in the category of society, culture. Uh, essentially, it's conversations, very similar to what you're doing, just with a different avenue. So it's conversations with tons of different people, culturally diverse, um, food diversity, monetary diversity. So just bringing to light stories from people that either haven't had a voice or maybe nobody's listening to because they might be more on the fringes of certain places and humanizing them. Awesome. And going back to your superpower, and I'm not going to swear again, because I have to go back and bleep them all, which is time consuming. <laughs> um, so when you figured your superpower, which is figuring quote unquote stuff out, um, I'm curious, can you give us one example of a, a great use of that superpower? Sure. I would say in business, I went through a few different roles and I was feeling like I was failing or they weren't um, the right role for me. And it, again, it started bringing up this frustration and there's like this constant, I don't know if you've heard of this phrase, like nobody's coming to save you in your brain. It's like, why do I always get the hard situations? Why can't I get it easy? You know? And then I realized, you know what? 
maybe I am in these situations because that's what I'm built for. Maybe it's because I'm good at it. Maybe it's because I'm the one that knows how to figure it out because I always do. So I reframed it in my mind and that's why I call it a superpower now because it, it eliminated that negative self-talk and that, oh, poor me, it's another hard situation and made me realize I'm built for this. Like This is what I'm here for. Yeah, that's awesome. And speaking of what you're here for, the only standard question we ask our guests, and I think it's time to ask you that for sure right now, is what do you think happens when you die? And the reason I bring it up now is that I'm kind of curious if you believe that you inherited your personality or if you believe in reincarnation and all these other things. So before we get into that, I would just like to know, what do you think is going to happen to you specifically when you die? Okay, so I thought about this. And I don't know that the answer is going to be super satisfying because for me, I'm actually, I've gotten to the point where I'm super comfortable with the fact that I don't know. So, but it's weird because I also believe in spirit. Um, I've, I've definitively been visited by family members. Um, my house that I'm in is, um, I have a visitor, I call him. Um, so it's, it's weird that I say that for me, because I do believe in something. I'm just not sure what it is. And I'm comfortable not defining. I totally understand. And I really respect that answer. Um, maybe we can kind of figure it out in reverse and let our audiences imagine and come to their own conclusion, but let's start with these visitations because, um, I am not skeptical and I'm open-minded. So I have no issue hearing that. I would say like 75% of Americans probably roll their eyes and, and would turn off a podcast if they heard someone say that. So can you give us uh, the example, like the best example you have of being visited by a family member? Sure. So I'll give you the most recent one because there have been other times in the past, but just like what you said, most people want to brush it off. And I did because you don't want to share it. You kind of sound like crazy and like, is everything okay? But the most recent one was uh, my grandfather died January of 2021. And I was just sitting in my office at my desk. And I had a bunch of his things in my office because I had been going through his things. And on all of a sudden, there was just a feeling that came over me and I could smell his scent. And immediately I froze. I kind of froze. And then I relaxed and I just said, hi, Grandpa. And that was it. And I know that that sounds weird. And again, like you said, a lot of people will hear that and be like, okay, so obviously you just had a blip of sanity. Um, but that's okay, because I don't need anybody to believe me. It's it's not about that. But I can just definitively say that that was a, an experience that's undeniable. Um, I'll share one more, only because this was, actually had nothing to do with me. Um, cheers to Zoom. I was on a work Zoom call. Uh, with about 60 people and one of my colleagues I was on his screen so he could see me and he sent me a text message and he was like oh I just saw the little one and I was like huh what are you talking about and he's like oh, I thought maybe your niece was over I just saw a small person walk behind you and I live alone I have an orange cat um and he said it was a small person with dark hair and a blue shirt and that's super specific my background is tan so that one freaked me out because someone else saw it and obviously very close proximity. Yeah. That's cool. And I'm curious because you strike me as a strong person who doesn't need other people's support necessarily. I mean, obviously all humans need support on some level. So 
how much would it bother you if no one believed you? Like, how much do you care about what other people think about your experience in this relative weird place we call Earth? I used to care a lot, a lot. And I think, you know, if we go back to the beginning, I think that that contributed to the frustration and the anger because I cared a lot and I felt super misunderstood. Maybe it's because I am getting older. I'm realizing that it doesn't really matter if they believe me or not. Whether they do or not, that doesn't diminish my experience. And I believe me. So, I mean, it's, these aren't things that I generally go out and, and just share to the world. But at the same time, I'm not going to hide them. Because so, the way I look at it, and my journey with uh, the diversity podcast has really opened me up to a lot and hearing different people's stories. The more conversations I have and the more different people I talk to, the more I realize how little I know. So who am I to question what someone else experiences? Wow, that's great. And kind of like on that same note, you started the interview and I, I'm pretty sure you're mostly kidding, but you seem to have like that kind of normal slight trepidation about turning 40. Does that have to do with the fact that your aging means you're going to die? Or does that have to do with like the decline of the body? Or like what would be the reasons you wouldn't want to age? I don't think it's because I, I definitely, I mean, I'm in the world of insurance. So I'm very familiar with life insurance and those conversations. but. I wouldn't say I'm at all afraid of dying. I don't want to. I think it's for me, I'm not, I haven't accomplished what I want to accomplish. And I feel like I do think it's kind of an overarching societal mindset, right? So I think there's some some pressure there, but I just haven't accomplished what I want to accomplish. And 40 sounds like, it sounds like a next level. And I'm just, I don't want to be there yet. I still see myself at a different level, at a lower level. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's a great answer. Um, and also you did say that like you're kind of withholding your opinion of like what's going to exactly happen when you die. But it seems to me like you do believe that uh, some of us are still around in some way after like the, you know, your grandfather with the smell of his cologne. Is that, is, am I correctly summarizing what you said? I do. And, and again, I don't know what that looks like um, or what, if that's everybody or if it's nobody. Um, but I do think that there is something additional. Um, earlier, you had mentioned something about thinking of where my personality might have come from. And I don't know if I would attribute any of my personality to family, but I've often felt like and often been told like, oh, you're an old soul. So that's something I've considered. I, I, maybe we are recycling. Maybe our energies are recycling somehow. That's cool. And I kind of want to get back to the original um, topic, which is unfortunately very sad and also shocking for a lot of people. But um, I would say, you know, like top five most awful things you can do to another human would be in some order. I'm not putting it in order. Uh, murder, rape and molestation. They would be like definitely in the top five, if not just those being the top three. So how do you feel about like justice? Like, do you think that people who do things that are bad should be like punished, killed? Do you believe in rehabilitation? Like where, because you're someone who was abused, I'm asking you in particular, like how, how do you feel about that now that you're 39 and, and you've moved through it, you know? I definitely think that there should be a punishment that goes along with it. Um, but I, I would, I would say punishment as well as attempted rehabilitation. I think the trouble with rehabilitation is that I firmly believe that the person has to own and understand it. And I don't think everybody is capable of that, 
But if someone is capable of, we're talking about justice, honestly, in any form, yeah, I think rehabilitation is a must. We must at least try that because if we're not, let's just say, I mean, we won't even go into the fact, like the short sentences for things like rape or the non-sentences for things like rape and, and um, molestation. So we already know that it's not being dealt with in a way that most people would think it should be. But we also know that let's say it's, it's a five-year stint and I'm saying stint, like I'm using jargon here. Let's say they're in jail for five years. Okay, well, what happens in five years? If you have not attempted to rehabilitate somebody, what happens in five years? Okay, cool, you've done your time, go back out and do it again. Because that is oftentimes what happens. So absolutely, rehabilitate. Yeah, totally. And I should have asked this earlier because it, it kind of is going to keep coming up as we go through this. Were you raised religious at all? Because I don't think you said you currently are, but were you raised with any? I have memories of a Christian church, but I think I was super, super young. And then we were Jehovah's Witnesses for a while. Yeah, so that's definitely a different um, different religious. And, and then that kind of all went badly um, because my parents got divorced and along with, you know, that type, that particular religion has a lot of really specific things that you have to follow. And when your worlds are crumbling, it's hard to follow those things. So we ended up moving away from that. Yeah, I've only met a few Jehovah's Witnesses, um, and all of them were children who had definitely abandoned the movement and uh, or the religion. I'm not sure what to refer to it as. And uh, they, one of them was writing a memoir in my writing program, and it was like difficult to read, and it was interesting. So I'm always like, that's why I perked up when you said it. It's not that I think people who practice it are good or bad so much as the uh, as you had like the strictness and the adherency to it. Um, so are you religious today at all, or are you like agnostic or what, what would you describe yourself as? I, I would say, I usually say spiritual. Um, so I definitely don't connect with any specific, when I think religion, I think kind of the organized faction of spirituality. And I don't connect with that because I'm not a person that falls in line with expectations very quickly or easily. And I also don't like the discrimination and, and what I see as hate that goes along with that. But I would say I'm definitely spiritual. Um, I don't, I believe in a higher power, but I don't name it God. Okay. Yeah, that makes total sense. Um, I think that's probably as close to my answer as I would get to. Um, and so going back to like the anger thing, um, you said you've mostly resolved it. You've probably, you know, like done great strides with it and everything. When you were angrier and when you were younger, did you do things that you've since uh, held yourself accountable for and apologized for? Or do you have like things you still need to work out? Like, can you kind of just walk us through? Because I think anger management is a topic that we're really not talking about, even though it's like behind the scenes of like every other issue we're talking about right now in America, at least. For sure. So when with my anger, I didn't... Um... I don't know that I oftentimes took that out on other people. It was really more internalized. Um, one thing that I will say that I've always tried to do is apologize. So, so right my wrong. So I got in trouble when I was younger too, like with legal trouble and I learned my lesson. So that is my, I may be still angry, but I have to take accountability for what I did. So I do always try to apologize as quickly as possible so when you, I don't think anything comes to mind as far as something that I probably should apologize for that I haven't. Um, when we're talking about death, that is one thing that I think about a lot is if I were to die tomorrow, 
I don't believe there's anything that I've left unsaid, whether that be a critical thing that I said to somebody or a compliment or an I love you. So I do try to do that all the time. So I don't think I regret anything. Um, well, I don't think I've done anything that I haven't apologized for. We'll say it that way. Yeah, that's very cool. That's awesome. And I kind of wanted to get a little more personal with like what you're doing business-wise, because when you talked about you know, thinking you were failing and then realizing you're not a failure and that maybe your skill is like exactly that. Um, I had a lot of resonance with that because I think like stick to and all these other terms that we use, um, they really do matter. And I think overcoming obstacles, which is like what Ganesh, the Hindu God is for, has been something I've been obsessed with my whole life because I've seen obstacles and still tried to get around them and over them and through them. So how, uh, what businesses have you done? What businesses are you doing? And, you know, kind of how has that worked out for you? So I have been in insurance um, previously property casualty. So that's your home and auto. And now I have my own business and I do group benefits through employers. So offering their employers um, voluntary benefits. And in between, I went to school for interior design and architecture. Wow. So makes perfect sense, right? My degree matches perfectly. No, just kidding. Um, <laughs> this is what we do sometimes. So what I realized, I guess, in, in these things is I, I love architecture. I love design. I like rooms that feel a certain way, right? I like the psychology behind the colors, all of that. Love, love, love it. But I realized I love it for me. I don't love it as an occupation. So I'm so happy that I went to school for that, but it's definitely not my um, position in life that I would want to continue. But for a little while, I felt like a failure because I'm like, why did I just do this? I just spent money on this and now I'm not even pursuing it. That's just a subject I'm, I really care about because I, I've been in education for a lot of my life. I've both been a student and I've taught many years. And I feel like it's so sad that the price of education is so high that it discourages people from doing exactly what you did, which is learning for the pursuit of learning. Like that's such a great thing to do as a human. And I wish we had you know, actually there's like great courses and things like that you can order online now that I really love that are doing that. So I, I say more power to you. Um, and kind of going back to that old soul comment you made, uh, do you feel like sometimes you're an old soul when it comes to like the architecture you like, like, are there any like weird things you love that don't really even make sense to yourself? I love old houses, like old houses, like where I live now, it was built in the late 1800s. Um, so I don't know if that connects to an old soul or if there is a connection there at all but I find they have so much character and so much rich history that sometimes we don't see in the newer modern buildings. So I don't know if that connects to the old soul thing, but it might. Yeah, no, no, that's interesting. I'm kind of like in my head, I'm connecting a lot of things about you because I'm listening to you talk. So it's always a different and almost like surreal experience to hear someone answer questions that you're asking. And then I'm building a composite of like who you come across as to me, but it's incomplete because you would share different things about your own life and stuff. So kind of on that note, um, as we're coming up to the end of the podcast, uh, you said you're spiritual, you've talked about overcoming uh, fear of failure and literal failure and all these other wonderful things. What would be like the thing you want most to share with our audience? Like what can you impart to them on this uh, special day? And just so they can walk away with uh, some Heather pay your wisdom. <laughs> I think the one thing that, I truly believe can help a lot of people and has helped me immensely is curiosity. We sometimes form these opinions or put labels on or bias and we're 
we stay rigid to those sometimes and it's not helpful. So the one thing that I think would be so amazing for anybody, whether they're going through a trauma or they're in a new neighborhood or my nephew's graduating, that's high school, that's a big thing. Curiosity, get curious. If you're failing in life, get curious about it. Like don't get mad at yourself, it's not helpful. So curiosity is definitely what I would say. That is such a wonderful uh, attitude to have, and I love it. And I, I hear curiosity from every answer you gave. I hear it like just your demeanor, and I'm so happy that you made it to 39 and you <laughs> overcame so many things, and you have this wellness and good attitude. Because, uh, like I said, the mission of this podcast and the mission of my life, as I'm discovering at 40, is just like trying to talk to as many people as possible to feel better, not to feel worse. And and so you've done it for me today. So I really want to thank you. Um, and uh, obviously we're going to have you know all your info in the notes for our audience. So uh, thank you again for helping us put another nail in the coffin today. And this has been another episode of Coffin Talk. My name is Mike Oppenheim. And if you want to do us and the show a favor, please head over to MikeyOp.com. That's M-I-K-E-Y-O-P-P.com. And hit the subscribe contact button. And uh, for those of you listening at home who don't feel like doing any of that, who gives a Uh, We love you. Please keep listening. And I will see you soon. Walking along when I hear this song and I'm walking to you.